Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And I am back in the booth today. Feeling a little bit better. Uh, I had to sit out last week. Kyle took the reins, the hollow reins over on his own and did a bang up job. Man in the craft on his own. Uh, so I definitely crashed that bitch. Everybody <laughs> said their kudos to Kyle for uh, <laughs> stepping up for me. Not at 100%, but I am feeling quite a bit better. Excited to be back and putting forth some new content. Uh, wrote a little interesting one I'm going to call Ultra Terrestrial Pancakes for you guys today. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, a good one. But before we do that, we got to get through all the business. So check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Discord, Reddit, search up the Hollow Sky Podcast, and we will be there. Come join the Hollow Cult, be part of the community, and just uh, be cool, right? Uh, again, this is our Monday regular show. Tuesdays, our recap of the night shift will drop. Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube, our night shift live show goes on, 8 p.m. Central. And then Thursdays are our listener experience episodes. So it's a lot of hollow, hollow content for you all. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share on a future Thursday show, Kyle was out traipsing through the woods and he came across this weird rock carving that had some information that he's supposed to relay to you guys. So I did. I am out in the woods fairly often. And what I found was if you have a story you'd like to have us read for you, you can do that. And all you have to do is write it out and then shoot it over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. You can call or text the holophone, which is going to be 618-556-0837. If you have any weird shit that you would like to send us, cool shit, interesting, whatever, you can. You can send that to Hollow Sky Podcast, P.O. Box 145, Field in Illinois, 62031. Any way that you can get us your amazing stories, we will much appreciate that and get it on the show. And maybe one day we'll have a book that we can feature them all in because I have ideas and it'll be cool. But we'll see what happens. We're I only agree. two men. We're only two men out here trying to do the Lord's work. <laughs> with squeaky chairs. With squeaky chairs <laughs> and sinus issues. It's true. It's true. If you'd like to support the show and possibly get us non-squeaky chairs, there's plenty of ways you can do it. We have a uh, website up, holoskypodcast.com. You can go to the merch store there and get some dope hollow merch and rep the cult. We have a Patreon. You can go see if there's anything over there that you find interesting. We release extra content, ad-free shows, the whole nine. Go over there, scope it out. Got a Venmo. You can throw some pocket change in to support our bad habits. We appreciate it. Best thing you can do is word of mouth. Share the show. Share the show on social media. Share the show to people who listen to the podcast. Share the show to any of your weirdo friends. You know the deal. It helps us out tremendously. The more listeners we get, the more content we can put out and just keep the hollow ball a rolling. Another thing you could do is go to wherever you 
listen to your podcast, your podcatcher, if you will, and leave us a five-star rating and review. Helps us become more visible in the world of weird podcasts. It really does help out. I know it seems menial, but the more these we get, the further up the ranks we can move. So if I find it, I will gladly shout you out. Today's five-star rating interview comes to us from across the pond. If that's what they say. From it is what great, they say. Great Britain from our friend ODP Nick. ODP Nick says, Hollow Cult, five stars. Love these guys. Open-minded and honest approach. Well, ODP Nick, thank you for taking the time to send us your five-star rating and review. Much appreciated. It is appreciated. Like Steve said, it helps us out a ton, whether it seems like it or not. It really does. And the other the other best thing you can do is just tell everybody about us. Yeah. The more Hollow Cult members we get in the community, the better. And maybe eventually we can travel the world uh, looking for cursed objects and fighting ultra terrestrials. So yeah, that's the end goal. I, I feel, I, I feel, I do feel like there's an ultra terrestrial out there that deserves a pedigree. Yeah, that is a fact. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. That is a fact. And if if I can be the one to do that for everybody, sign me up. Think of how good of how good internet that would make. Dude, it would be epic. Kyle hitting finishing moves on unfathomable creatures. That's, that's all it's going to be. It's it's like my two favorite is the pedigree and the stunner. So mm-hmm. you're getting one or the other. Just back to back. We're back to back. <laughs> all right. We're going to dive right in here. Uh, Yeah, like I said earlier, ultra-terrestrial pancakes or interdimensional snacks or extraterrestrial cookies i don't know whatever you want to call it uh this by itself is one of the weirdest uh for right now et encounters that i think i've stumbled across just out of content alone it is bizarre but you start to connect some weird dots here and there and it makes it almost more strange i don't know it's weird I don't know. Ultra-dimensional pancakes is kind of strange in itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I am down for a good pancake. Uh, you're, these were not good. Oh, but you'll find well, out. Never mind then. The The crux of the story here, uh, let me find out who wrote the book. I got it from uh, this book called The W Files by a man named Jay Rath, R-A-T-H. Uh, it's uh, reports Sounds like a of, rapper. Yeah, it is. Reports Good. of Wisconsin's unexplained phenomenon. He did a whole chapter on this, these uh, alien pancakes. So that's kind of where the beginning of the story comes from. So it all starts oh, out. That's in, where, my, sorry for the interruption, but okay. it reminds me reminds me of Riff Raff. That's what I was thinking of. It's that's who I picture now. Person. That's who I picture now, seriously. If uh, there's any human on the planet right now that has probably tried ultra terrestrial pancakes, probably riffraff. <laughs> that does make sense. Yes. It all comes I'm down together. with it. It all comes together. It does. Okay, so our main part of our story here starts in the spring of 1961, April 18th to be exact, in a place called Eagle River, Wisconsin. A man named Joe Simonton 
who was kind of a prominent member of the community. He was a plumber by trade. Uh, he was the local auctioneer. He played Santa Claus for the Chamber of Commerce, like all around just kind of like good old neighborhood dude, right? At about 11 a.m. on the 18th, he was sitting at his dinner table, kind of reading the paper, drinking some coffee, when suddenly he started to hear this weird noise. He reported it to sound like a jet engine being throttled back, like right over top of his house. He says as it was throttled back, the, the sound kind of changed to what he described as knobby tires on wet pavement, which I'm trying to imagine what that would sound like. I envision those guys with the jacked up trucks and the big mud tires. Mm, yeah. Similar to that. Kind of like a wine. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, that's kind of where my brain goes. The sound stirred his attention enough that he went outside to see what was going on. As he stepped outside, he saw what he described as a flying disc drop down from the sky and begin to hover over his farm. He said the disc was silver and quote, brighter than chrome. It was 12 feet high and 30 feet in diameter. One edge of the disc, he described, there were some sort of exhaust or propulsion pipes that stuck out the edge of this disc. He said they were about six to seven inches in diameter. As he's watching the disc, it slowly begins to descend in the field next to his home on his property. He said a hatch in the side of the craft opened up from there. Inside, Joe reported that he saw three humanoid creatures. He described them as being dark-skinned, about five feet tall, weighing around 125 pounds. They were all dressed in dark blue or black knit uniforms with turtleneck tops and helmet-like knit caps. He said they were clean-shaven and, quote, Italian-looking. Well, I mean... First things first, if you're wearing a turtleneck, I could probably beat you up. That's true. That is true. Turtlenecks are not very tough. It doesn't sound like very good space fare either. No, not at all. I mean, it does, as a, does add up that they're, they're little. It's skinny. also bizarre that, yeah, that's what I mean, skinny. They weigh a buck 20, which is nothing. It's bizarre that this craft has sick exhaust. It does. They they prove it later on. It's it's so weird. When did this take place? Does it say? 61. The year? 61? Yeah. Man, so that, that would have been a good ways into the, the UFO phenomenon, post, you know? Yeah, post Roswell. Yeah, yeah, Roswell is going to be your big heavy hitter when it comes to UFO lore. I know it's been much longer than that, but when people think of the beginning of the UFO lore, it's definitely 47. Yeah. But it's just so it's so bizarre to me how many different variances of UFOs have been talked about throughout history. And then you have one, like, because this one... The, I'll be honest, it almost makes you feel more man-made. Yeah, especially with, like, exhaust. Yeah, or what and he then, assumed is exhaust. Right, Yeah, that's a good point. And then you have these Italian-looking men that are flying it, and they're all clean-shaven, and it's weird. Could there be an Italian? It alien? 
That's probably what it is. I mean, that logically makes the most sense. Joe reported that these entities didn't speak directly with him, but as the craft landed and the door opened, a little like ramp went down and one of them moved toward him with this silvery jug, right? He said it had two handles and it was heavier than aluminum, but lighter than steel. He said it was about a foot tall and he thought the jug was made from the same material that the craft was made of. He described the jug and the material as a beautiful thing, a thermos jug or a thermos jug like bottle, quite unlike anything I've ever seen here on earth. He said he immediately got the feeling that the entities wanted or needed water. So he went to the well and began pumping water to fill this jug. As he took it back to the uh, occupants of the craft, he made note that he had to put his hand on the craft to lift the jug up. And as he did, hoisted into the into the door he saw into the craft and um according to an accompanying air force report he is quoted in saying looking into the craft i saw one of the men cooking on some sort of flameless cooking appliance or grill so i guess they stopped to just hang out and make some snacks on so they're using a griddle. Flameless griddle. Which Yeah, so I'm yes. saying there's a flat top. Yeah. Like a flat top or like an electric stove top or something to that degree. Yes. Because it it does like once again to hit back on the human aspect, it does make you feel similar to humans from the future or, or whatever, you know, whatever theory that kind of pans into. Yes. Uh, Joe spoke on how the interior of the craft was dull black. Even the three control panels that he described as, quote, extremely beautiful were of the same color, almost wrought iron in appearance. He was so fascinated by the contrast of the shiny exterior and the dark interior that he was quoted in the Air Force report saying that he would love to have a room painted in the same way at his home. It seemed that in return for the water, one of the entities had prepared Joe a little snack. This was the only one with a distinct red trim around his pants. He said they were all dressed alike except for this one that was presenting him with whatever they were cooking on this griddle. Uh, he described them as three cookies or pancakes about three inches in diameter. They were still warm from the griddle. He also said that they were perforated with a lot of small holes. He took the pancakes and red pants gave him sort of a little salute like he pointed at his forehead. So Joe did it back and slowly backed away from the craft. He stated that red pants connected a line or some sort of belt to a hook on his pants and the, cl the hatch closed. It closed so perfectly that there wasn't even any seams for the door in the side of the craft. He said the craft rose about 20 feet into the air and took off South at a 45 degree angle. The pressure from the takeoff blew the tops out of some nearby pine trees from whatever those uh, exhaust ports were. He also stated that it took less than two seconds for the craft to completely disappear from his, his sight. He said that the entire encounter lasted a little more than five minutes. He called the local sheriff who came out and examined uh, the property and the trees. And he stated that Simonton was of sound mind and clearly believed that what had happened was true. 
Joe did what any red-blooded American would do when gifted tasty snacks and tried one of these ultra-terrestrial pancakes. For science, of course. Hell yes. He said that they were not good. And that they did he add them. syrup to it? I don't think so. See, that's his bad then. <laughs> Could have been good with a little bit of syrup. It might have been. But I guess he probably thought, you know, they traveled all this way, made me these snacks. I need to partake in them the way that they would be partaken in in whatever realm of the universe that these people came from. I also like the fact that when we hear these stories of bartering, I don't know why, but I really do. It I enjoy later on the bartering system that get that happens throughout. And it's not just this you hear it with Bigfoot, the Fae, all types of, of other encounters where there is like this little exchange in gifts with one another. Yeah. I've, I've always found it fascinating. What other realm of the paranormal, uh, Delves in bartering. The Fae, for sure. Ding, ding, ding. Keep that in mind. You think it was a Fae with a sweet UFO? It gets weird. It gets weird. It gets weird. I like I like weird. I like weird. Joe did come forward to say that they tasted like cardboard. Which, I oh, mean, that sucks. A little rude, but... Like, oh, know. yeah, that's the other thing, too. Uh, haven't we always heard that space food sucks? It's true. It's true. Isn't that always like a trope? Like, yeah. You you hear that the food in outer space just sucks. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's pretty. That's kind of. I mean, it's part of the course, technically. Yeah, you would think that maybe since they were on Earth, they would do as the Earthlings do, but apparently not. Yeah. Well, and then a lot of people. I mean, not to poke fun at anybody, but a lot of us don't really partake in healthy foods. We think healthy foods suck. There's that it's true. <laughs> so it's true. You know, those pancakes could have been like ultra high and dense in vitamins and shit. And we were like, <laughs> God, this tastes like dirt. Because that's exactly what we would do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we would smother it with tasty syrup, syrup. And then it would be all good. It would taste great. There's actually a photo of Joe with the pancake that they took as evidence. Did they test it? They did. Is we, there any type of results? That. We get into that. All right, cool, cool, cool. I may use that picture of him holding the pancake as the little thumbnail for uh, the episode because, like, it's so weird. Anyway, Joe, being being the OG, kept the other two pancakes. Thought, hey, maybe these are of importance since they came from a UFO. That is an interesting thought to have. I got two different... I still love the fact that he ate one. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fucking, it's cool, but it's also extremely weird (laughs) that he's like, for science, bro, (laughs) I'm gonna go ahead and give it a try. Maybe they smell good as hell. I would hope so. (laughs) I hope so. So in my research, I heard two different, uh, two different paths this take, but they kind of end up at the same spot. One, I heard that the two other pancakes were taken in by the local sheriff as evidence for this encounter, right? Which would they also have the picture of him holding, holding one of them and such. But uh, in the W files, Rath goes on to say that he gave the two other specimens to a Vilas County judge, Frank Carter, who was kind of friends with Simonton a little bit. 
but he was also known to be a local UFO enthusiast. Uh, Carter took Joe's story very seriously and could see no benefit that Joe could have from hoaxing the encounter as there's very little to profit from for UFO pancakes, right? Well, and then, I mean, I know that times are drastically different, but like you look at it from today's aspect, if somebody were to come forward and be like, yo, I, I had aliens make me breakfast, everybody's going to go, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like this dude is way off his rocker. Yeah. Which, which happens. We're far more apt to believe that extraterrestrial took embryos versus making you pancakes. Yes. Um, so fully believing in Joe's story, Judge Carter sent the remaining pancakes to the U.S.'s top investigative group at the time, the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, which was NICAP. They refused to test the pancakes. What? Yeah. They How the was fuck too- are you going to... Because I was going to say that was stupid. You shouldn't have sent it to them anyways. You should have sent it to an actual testing facility that's unbiased of all of it and not even told them what it was, just had them test it. Went totally However, opposite direction. Yeah, however, you sent it to the people who are supposed to be head first into this shit, and they're like, no, we're not doing it. Yep. Dude, you have pancakes from aliens. And they said, that's too out of left field for us to pay attention to. See, that that make, that almost makes you feel like this is some government cover-up shit when these organizations do that type of stuff. Yep. Well, well keep, this doesn't this doesn't fit our narrative. We're going to have to sweep it under the table. Keep that in mind because I'm going to try to remember to circle back to that. The whole absurdity aspect of okay. some of these encounters. Uh, as word got out, like you just mentioned, uh, Simonton began to get ridiculed by local people for coming forward with his experience about the UFO and the pancakes. But on the flip side of that, the UFO activity in the area continued for the next week. Uh, Within that week, an Eagle River insurance agent named Savino Borgo was driving down Highway 70 when he also saw an odd-shaped saucer-like craft about four miles west of town in the same general vicinity as Simonton's farm. The following day near uh, Rhinelander, which is right like a town next door to Eagle River, two boys came forward and said that they had seen a UFO the night before with their mother and sister. Um, In an odd twist... The the UFO activity, which kind of made its way through local law enforcement to NICAP, got into the ears of the Air Force. They started to hear about this. Who sent their top civilian UFO investigator, uh, J. Allen Hynek, who you probably know from Project Blue Book and had his fingers in a lot of stuff in the 60s. Yeah, I was going to say that time, especially that time, the Air Force was pretty big into investigating UFO reports. Yes, they started hearing about it and they sent Heineck out to investigate. Uh, he was a astronomer at Northwest University at the time. He went to NICAP and got the pancakes back, sent them to be analyzed by a committee of Northwestern University uh, lab technicians. 
the Air Force's Technical Intelligence Center, as well as members of the Food and Drug Laboratory of the U.S. Health Department. So three pretty prominent scientific So he kind of did, did what I suggested to yes. do. Yes. It's wild to me that the Air Force is putting this forward. Not NICAP. NICAP's like, no, nah, that's crazy. But the Air Force is like, it, yeah, to run these. It's yeah. also interesting that it took Heineck from the Air Force to re-recover these pancakes. Yes. Because NICAP is like, no, it's too wild. But we're going to go ahead and hang on to these. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, sussy on the organization. But they bow down when the Air Force shows up. Yeah. They're like, oh, hold on. Yeah, we, we better go ahead and keep them. them. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe, like you said, it's interesting. Maybe they didn't want to mess with it because it was like it would almost be biased having the UFO people analyze the UFO pancakes. That's true. That's true. And then on top of that, if you look at, which I I don't know, I know that you and me are different and we really don't give a shit. However, I could see and understand an explanation in being, listen, we're already in a weird position with the general public because we look into UFOs. However, if we start investing, investigating pancakes, that's a whole nother level of disbelief the general public is going to have. Like people already don't take it serious. If we start analyzing pancakes, they're they're also gonna think we are way off our rockers. Yeah. Yep. Um where are we at here? The committee ran a full analysis on the space cakes, and after a few days they came back with conclusive results. Quote The cakes were composed of hydrogenated fat, starch, buckwheat holes, soybean holes, wheat brand. The bacteria and radiation readings were normal. Chemical, infrared, and other destructive lab tests were run on the pancakes, and the Food and Drug Lab of the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare concluded that the material was an ordinary pancake of terrestrial origins. So everything that it was made with is present here on Earth, and nothing stood out. There were essentially everyday normal pancakes, with two exceptions. I was say, why they taste like dirt then? Two exceptions, right? These two exceptions started to garner the attention of one Dr. Jacques Vallée, who we know is big into the whole UFO realm. Um, his, his life was the, um, like, portrayed in Close Encounters of the Third Third Kind as one of the leading UFO scientists in the movie was based around Jacques Vallée. Uh, he starts looking into these pancakes, and the first thing that stood out was that the recipe fully lacked sodium chloride, which is normal table salt, which would be why Joe said they tasted like cardboard and were disgusting. Right. The other being the fact that the pancakes were made from buckwheat. Which I know people are going to be like, well, buckwheat pancakes do exist, blah, blah, blah. I eat them because I'm vegan, yada, yada, yada. But they're not very popular in the United States, especially in 1961. 
buckwheat was barely grown here and even more scarcely used. But the exclusion of salt was it use, was uh, it used over in Italy a lot? Used in parts of Europe and Asia. <laughs> Where also the practice of la- like lacking a lot of spices and salt also goes together with it. That's fucking weird. It's fucking weird, man. Because I don't like my brain wants to to play to Hitler and the Nazis because they were rumored to have easy craft. You know what I mean? So this gen- same general vicinity, not saying they worked hand in hand with the Italians or whatnot, but it just makes you feel like that part of the world may have had some cool shit. I like I like where your brain is going with this because it wasn't where my story went. Okay. But it is definitely definitely interesting to tie that together considering some of the things that they were dabbling in, possibly like... <laughs> kind of time travel maybe oh yeah with the the bell and how it disappeared and all that stuff well i mean at the end of the day you know despite the ramifications of what hitler and the nazis did just like america everybody else was soaking up the scientists after the war yeah and the information they had and i'm not saying italy was involved or not but let's just pretend they were not that far away from being able to collect some some good data. They're right in the backyard, you know? They're right there. Yep. So. Yeah. And now that Dr. Valet is on the case, he goes ham, right? He starts to dig into thousands and thousands of records across Europe looking specifically for entities dealing with buckwheat pancakes how does he find any yes <laughs> so he okay. goes back to france valet does and starts just digging just digging going into libraries going into uh book dealers across europe and just gathering tons of like ancient esoteric writings from hundreds of hundreds of years across the board gets this all together and comes back to America with this information he gets. He starts cross-referencing it with information that J. Allen Hynek has put in to Project Blue Book. So he's tying all of this shit together. He comes to find out that despite thousands of miles of difference between America and Europe and hundreds of years of difference cultural differences, religious differences. Joe Simonton encounter is not a one-off, but it's actually a commonality in some of these encounters that he's pulled up. What? I've never heard about this in my life. Valet found that accounts of alien visitors cooking buckwheat pancakes were quite common throughout early European folklore and traditions. One specifically were the Bretons, a group living in Brittany, which is the northern peninsula of France. Buckwheat was their primary grain, so it was prominent throughout their folklore. But they spoke of these interesting fey types 
of entities known as Fions. The Fions were known to cook buckwheat pancakes for humans as a mean of holding up their end of a bargain or trade. Which is exactly what happened. Which is exactly what happened in Wisconsin in 1961. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Uh, Fions are hobgoblin-like creatures characterized by their habitat in rocks or caves of Brittany's northern shores. The Fions leave... Uh, military-like life organized into battalions. They are said to wage war in the ocean on a golden ship. According to tales, they own and graze livestock and sometimes give enchanted objects or food to humans. One specific tale... I was going to say, it does make sense when you bring up like a military-esque background because of the way they were all dressed. Yes, and the knitted caps. Yeah. Seem like the fae, like little goblins or gnomes yeah and one of them one you know it like the way they were dressed alone almost makes you believe like a chain of command because the one dude had different pants you know pants yeah they were all they were all dressed similar aside from the fact that this dude had red red pants and throughout military history you would use insignias to signify leadership and stuff like that yep One tale specifically tells of a black cow that belonged to a little, like, cave battalion of the Fions, who escaped and ruined a buckwheat field for a woman who lived nearby. She went to the cave and started to complain about the damage that had been done. The Fions made a deal with her. They said that they would see to it that she would never run out of buckwheat cakes, provided she kept her mouth shut and didn't tell anybody about it. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Uh, indeed, she did, and her and her family dis- discovered that their supply of buckwheat cakes were it was inexhaustible. They would take from it, it would fill back up. Take from it, it would fill back up. Eventually, she had a traveler come by, and the woman gave some of the cakes to the man, who was not supposed to be entrusted with the secret of the magical pancakes. From that day forward, the family had to go on to growing and making their own buckwheat cake. So she failed her end of the bargain. So she couldn't even give one away? No. Well, I like think it. she she probably could give it away, but she could not speak on it. I think that was the thing. She didn't, she wasn't, wasn't she allowed must to. She must let it slip. Yes. Like, hey, I have a never-ending supply of yeah. pancakes here. Even if it was in jest, well, that's not necessarily taken in jest, and now you're... Now your uh, buckwheat is gone. Yes. So you have to hold it. It's way too, it's way too coincidental that that section of the world ate buckwheat pancakes. Isn't that fucked up? (laughs) And those people had like an Italian heritage to them. There's no fucking way around that. Weird. It makes you, it makes you completely like, Reevaluate alien encounters, what we perceive as UFO yeah. encounters. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's so fucking weird, man. Because it, uh, you, you should not 
logically, by what we know, you should not be able to string. Because look at the way people look at aliens. They literally will string angels and demons, extraterrestrials, and the Fae all together into this one thing. And that should not logically happen. Because you think of angels and demons, you think of heaven and hell, you think of these creatures, you think of the Fae, you think of these little people that run around with wings and stuff or hats and living in the woods and shit. And ET or yeah, ETs, you have like mechanical craft and and the ability to do enter and leave our atmospheres and travel all over the galaxy. How do all of those connect? Logically, they shouldn't be able to. Especially with like John Keel and Jacques Vallée makes you, they make you have to completely reevaluate the phenomena as, as we know it, which is a good thing. Yeah. Even now in some of the, uh, some of the congressional hearings and stuff, you listen to their verbiage and, and they, they are making it so vague, so broad that it could easily, easily be exactly what they're talking about here. It could be that these, that whatever these things are futuristic, I don't know. They could, it could have been here the whole time. They might not even be off planet. No. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's not off planet. So weird. Uh, I got a couple other examples here. Um, there is a man that lived in Breckenshire who went out one day to look after his cattle and sheep on a mountain. This man disappeared. After about three weeks of searching for them, his wife had given up on him for dead when he showed back up at home. His wife asked him where had he been for the last three weeks. The man asked three weeks. Uh, what you call three weeks has only felt like three hours, he said. Pressed to say where he'd been, he told her that he had been playing his flute which he took with him on the mountain at a spot near Van Poole, which the flute playing is weird because we heard, we hear about that yeah. also in American Fay lore. Yep. Which is strange. Uh, at a spot near Van Poole where he was surrounded at a distance by little being like men who closed nearer and nearer to him until they became a very small circle. They sang and danced and it affected him so much that he just kind of lost time in them singing and dancing to his flute. After a while, they began to offer him small buckwheat cakes to eat, of which he partook. He said he had never enjoyed himself so much as he did that time. Well, A, right out of the gate, it sounds like the Fae. <laughs> B, also weird that, he, now maybe it could be because he's from the area, and maybe that's the dis- disconnect. But these people enjoy the buckwheat pancakes, whereas homeboy said it tastes like dirt. Yep. Cardboard. And I think that's just that's just like American culture. Yeah, I was gonna say, like a cultural difference. Yes. We are so we are so different when it comes to those kind of things that that's the only reason that this case stood out to people was because he made such a stink about the pancakes, you know? Right. It just it would have just gotten lost probably in the lore of ufos it would have probably got written off as fake honestly most likely if 
he didn't push and save these pancakes to get analyzed, which are now getting tied back to cultural folklore faith phenomenon from hundreds of years ago. Like I said, it that should not happen, in my opinion. It should they should not be able to intersect like that. I found um also what what turned me on to this whole uh ultra terrestrial connection was uh Mr. Mythos on YouTube. Go check him out, did a whole thing. And he was tying the valet to all this, and he talked about this uh, specific poem from the 1850s, right? It's called The Fairies. And I'll just read little excerpts from this poem by a man named William uh, Allingham. He said, uh, so let me find the pieces here. Upon the airy mountain down the rushy glen, we dare not go a-hunting for fear of little men. Uh, they live on crispy pancakes, which is fucking weird that he even mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. But then it goes, it gets super dark here. Let me find. Um, yeah, the last, the last little section here. They stole little Bridget for seven years long. When she came down again, her friends were all gone. Um said they took her lightly back between night and morrow. Uh, they have kept her ever since, which in the 1850s when this was written, it clearly plays on the trope that fairies can abduct people or kidnap yeah. humans. Yeah. But if you take it into the context of today's lore, that's basically talking about an alien abduction. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, because they talk about, like, there's another line talking about taking her to the Northern Lights. Um, yeah, they stole little Bridget for seven years long. When she came down again, her friends were all gone. Which is, again, fucking weird, right? Well, definitely. And, and just in the verbiage there. Because you do have being able to be taken to the Fey realm. But the verbiage when he, you know, when when she comes down, well, that insinuates that she was up. Yes, you know, she was taken up, which I understand they they say the mountain there, but it still has a connection with like what we consider alien abduction and, and being because you be taken up, you know, into the sky. And you look at you look at the the past lores from centuries back, you have fairy rings essentially be it stone mm -hmm. circles be it mushrooms be it whatever it is yeah. but there's lore behind it that people who enter these things disappear whether it be on accident whether it be fairy led the fae led them in in the lore the fae context there is this there is this land between realms essentially fae land fairyland where people go and cannot get back the only thing you cannot get there looking for it, it's said. Like the the Fae have to essentially choose you to bring you there, be it through a fairy circle, be it through abduction, be it through kidnapping. But as the lore progresses into uh like current times, you get the uh phenomenon of crop circles, which essentially are very similar two fairy circles i was also thinking of which i thought you were going to go with uh 
most general, not all, but generally speaking, when a craft lands, what's it leave on the ground? Yep. A burnt, a burnt ring, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love it. So it's, it is, it is, it's, I mean, it's bizarre how much it all does line up, even though in my opinion, it shouldn't, but it is bizarre how there are really strong similarities between the two. It's weird. And it, it gets, it, it weird, gets weirder yeah. because it makes, me, it makes me think about what we were talking about earlier, right? Before we started actually recording, you know, how Jacques was saying how it's this, this information and all this fucking yeah, it's, weird shit. Like it, it, it honestly, it makes a lot of sense. Really, when you step back and look at it, and you look at the unexplainables of the phenomenon, it's gross. It does make a lot of sense. It's. I'm not it's, gonna lie. Like, like a, and I am one. I am one that likes my, likes my entities separated and in their own categories. However, when you observe it from that perspective. It does kind of make sense. It's like whatever the phenomena is, whatever's at the center, whatever the source of the phenomena is, is using, using, I say using folklore to, to almost as like a, as like a disinformation campaign to like muddy the water. But that folklore could be, you know, people just recounting, interacting with these creatures of the source to begin with. Right. It's like this weird full circle, right? Yeah. And it, it feels very testy. Like they're like, is it even, you know, Jacques even mentions how it's like this, this experiment on human consciousness and all that, like, it, it feels like almost like an evolution test. Like, are you smart enough to figure this little riddle out? Like riddle yeah. me that, you know what I mean? It's really bizarre. Yep, and Valet said that he feels that they use this, especially like this case in particular, the absurdity of it, like pancakes and, you know, tying to fairies and all this shit, to, to discredit the experiencers and muddy the water of people who Fuck. are moving forward in the phenomenon. Well, yeah. and then think about this. Think about this. Think about all the alien abductions that have screen memories of fucking ducks and those Owls. types of things. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you go telling people, I saw, I saw damn blurry mini mouse in my, my room Crazy. and it started, uh, you know, prodding me and stuff. They're going to think you're fucking nuts. Crazy. Same way with the same way with cryptids. You see it. Oh, you see yeah. a, a, a walking hyena dog, man. And you tell somebody about it. They're going to say you're crazy. Oh yeah. You're crazy. You probably like, saw a, a you know a bear walking. Yeah, or, or you were drinking. Yeah, or that, or dropping shrooms. And it's acid. like whatever, whatever's at the source of the phenomenon is using the absurdity to discredit the experiencers that are getting close to figuring out what the phenomenon is. That's weird, man. Because like I said, when we were talking off air, it, it shows intent. It shows hyper intelligence. Tier manipulation is what it shows. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> A couple well, it takes a degree. It takes a degree of intelligence too to be that cunning, to be that, to be that far ahead of like humans. That. Yeah, and like that is, it is. It is. It is to be that far ahead because you are you are a hundred percent playing to all of our strengths, all of our weaknesses. You're anticipating. You're playing a chess move that you've already won, 
yep. you know, our chess game that you've already won because you you already know all the moves. Like you you have this innate ability to predict every move that we're gonna make, and like you just you tr- transcribe the narrative at that point. Like yeah. you're like, oh, let's just watch the, watch this. This is what I'll do, and this is what they'll do, and then this is what I'll do, and yeah. it it's just, and just this plays back out and forth. right to their hand. Yeah, and it does it it grossly enough. Like if you really think about it, uh, it it does make you feel like like I picture uh, an elite, be it a king, whatever, and a peasant. Oh yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Like it has that dynamic to it. Like yep. I am far superior. You're dumb. Yeah, it's like, it's like they're just fucking around. It, yeah, but it it feels like this, and I say king because it it feels so petty, the way that they would take the time to manipulate our kind. Be it that we are considered the peasant, like there there's like a sick joy in that because people like you and me, at some point, if we were playing that that chess game, we would get bored with that chess game. It would become just boring to us. However you have this like royalty elite, like I'm better than thou type of person. And they, it's almost like they forever take enjoyment, even though it's bland and boring, they know all the outcomes. They know everything to it. They played the game a million times, but they still have that little satisfaction in watching the pieces fall the way they want them to fall. It's, it's just very bizarre. Like keeping an ant farm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, and it, I mean, dude, it is, it's down to every little detail too, especially in this case, because one of the first things that happened were that the visitors needed water. It's known in common fae folklore that the fae choose to drink pure spring water, which is exactly where Joe pumped his water from, from their spring well. Also, the lack of salt in the pancakes. According to British Fairies at WordPress.com, it's quite well known that amongst the variety of substances which fairies object, everyday ordinary salt is one of the most repellent for them. Oh, shit. I didn't think about that. The fairies loathing... That's that's a lot of lore, too, now you think about it. Use salt rings and stuff like that. Yep. The fairies' loathing of salt can be related in two ways. It can be used as a deliberate defense against them, or it can unwittingly prevent them from handling human goods. Amongst the means used by midwives and neighbors to protect mothers in labor was sprinkling salt around the house, and after the baby was safely delivered, could be guarded against abduction by putting salt in the newborn's mouth. Related to this were several ways of expelling a changeling. In Wales, one means of driving off a changeling was to place salt on a shovel in the sign of a cross and heated over the fire. Uh, they talk That's about so fucking weird. Uh, adding salt into your milk churn to keep the fairies from stealing your milk. your milk. But on the flip side of that, there are also accounts of putting salt under your butter churn to keep demons from stealing your butter. So here we are, full circle to what we were talking full. about. The connection between the demonic, the ET, and the Fey realm. Because you talk, you hear about catastrophic disclosure. And in our circle now, you think that this means aliens are real. We're not alone. 
extraterrestrials are real. You think it's going to completely morph how we see history and morph how we see religion and morph how, how we are not top of the food chain anymore. What if catastrophic disclosure is that everything that we can't explain, ghosts, cryptids, uh, fucking aliens, angels, religious, religious encounters is all from the same singular source that, that we do not know of. Imagine if that is disclosure. Everything that is on the fringe realm of reality comes from one singular source that's been here all along. I don't know, man. I don't like it, but like I said, at the same time, it makes sense. It's fucked up. Yeah, I just... And it just sucks because you don't have enough information to to fully grasp it. But it just... It's, it's so bizarre how similar... Because I know people have linked demonic encounters with alien abduction as well. Like, there's similarities there. And it's weird that there are similarities. Because, like I said, there shouldn't be. Yeah, Logically, it, there shouldn't be. It's a constant crossover for the most part. You know, a lot yeah. of people attribute alien abduction to to, to demons. Aliens are demons. Space well, like we've talked about before. I mean, what if this is... What, what if... And I don't know how this would actually apply to a human brain, but I'm not a psychiatrist. But what if the like like me, my compartmentalization of the dog man, the gray, the, like that compartmentalization is easier mentally for my mind than it being this this one singular source. Yeah, you know might, what I'm saying? Because it might be the only thing holding the, us all together. Well, and on t- yeah, and then on top of that. What? Because I think it's a fair, fair example. What if it is true? But what if also at the same time, our religions are perceived in that same singular force? Like they could, they could legit come out and go, you know what? Bigfoot's real. Dogman's real. God is real. However, it is all from this same singular force. Don't I honestly like I'm not I'm not big I don't know I don't know where I stand with disclosure right I feel like a lot of people aren't going to be able to handle it but I also feel like it's not anybody's business but my own telling me what I can or cannot handle right oh yeah I agree I feel like that should be put out there but like I don't know what if it's what if it's some millennia off in the future form of humans that are doing this just to test us to see where we're at you know like you said in an, in a weird like evolutionary phase to see see what we can handle see how we perceive the weird and the fringe you know it's so it's so weird like you look you look at the miracle of fatima right we've mm-hmm. talked about it on on you know, on past shows we talked about on the night shift but people perceived that encounter very differently people yeah. people within feet of each other some people saw the uh, an image of the virgin mary right some people saw fucking ufo's some people didn't see anything how 
How does that happen? I don't know. It is it is bizarre, man. And like you know, you could you could take that. In my opinion, you could take that same experience and lay it up next to when we were talking about simulation the other day and how a person, a singular person, can look at themselves and and visually see themselves visually different than what their spouse sees them. Two completely different images per individual. The same way your recorded voice played back to you does not sound like it does in your own ears. It, 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 it's fucking strange because it everything points to a manipulation of some type when you really look at these cases. You know, just like just like I talked to you the other day about how you and me can read a story and we we will visual, visualize different different things. We can write an essay on the same story and have two completely two completely different and at the same time opposing ideas of the very same like our own perception dictates the reality that's around us. But what if there's a higher force that's manipulating our perception to begin with? Which which is is the the route that ballet was going down. It's it's something out I there. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But what what you said to me and what I heard on Rogan with the Pasolka interview, how they the crash site, the forty seven crash site. For some reason, that's ringing ringing bells with me. Because we heard we hear it in the Collins Elite, we heard it on the Rogan Show, where they are not, they did not label this as a crash crash site. They more or less labeled it as an offering site, like this was given to them. And then you think about it, you really do. I know that a million and one things possibilities are endless. However. It is rather bizarre to think that we actually legitimately have the ability to shoot these spacecraft out of the sky. Yeah, that's that's what Ballet said. He said, if these things are so far advanced, so light years beyond our technology, they're not crashing here. Well, those things, like, they legitimately not, I mean, you have every top person almost collectively say the same thing that these things not only manipulate our gravity on this planet, but they manipulate space and time itself. So you mean to tell me that our regular uh, missile systems are going to shoot that out of the sky whenever it has cloaking abilities. It has, it can, it can blip on and off radars anytime at once. It, You've heard the stories, whether you believe them or not, where fighter pilots have tried to engage these things and they have disabled the tracking systems, the radar, you know, everything. And they've jammed their systems, which is an act of war. And then turn nuke and then nukes on nuke launch codes on and off and shit. Yeah. And then they have the ability to legitimately manipulate space and time. Yeah. You don't need you don't need to to fuck with the tracking system when you can just manipulate time yeah you know what like oh yeah. hey there's a fighter jet that is locked on to me you know what i'm gonna do put it to where that fighter jet is still on the ground 
right. three minutes ago. I just It's so weird, dude. It's so it's so weird. And it's it's even weirder because that's such a simple scenario. Shooting down UFO. And then you really you really break it apart and think about it, and you're like, man, those are really small odds. I'm not saying that it wasn't a freak accident and something like that has happened. However, like, purposely speaking, I, I would feel like 9,999 times out of 1,000, you're missing that crap. You're not yeah. getting it. That's what that's what Valet was getting at, that, like, these things don't crash. They're not going to crash here on on earth they're not going to get shot down he said these things are are coming down intentionally to essentially i think i I I believe that to further this this narrative that whatever the source is trying to push he said he said think about where these things show up at uh in disasters during during wartime uh and during massive like religious encounters like fatima you know or yep. during during weird occult rituals like with crowley and shit yep. like they're they are which was in the which was in the collins elite matching exactly what the sulka said on rogan yep they, because they are in the collins elite they believe they just believed that these were demons that had the ability to manifest these materials and they had the the same outlook that they were perpetrating some type of propaganda some type of manipulation for of the human race whatever the end game may be don't know but it's weird that you have it from different angles where the collins elite is looking more from a a religious standpoint then you have these guys over here looking at from an et standpoint you have this guy over here looking at altered dimensional and it's just like the different cultures of the planet who would see a bigfoot but they all call it something different. Bigfoot has a million different names across the board. However, unbeknownst to all of them, it's technically the same yep. source, same entity. It's, it's fucking weird. It is it's, weird, and dude. It's, it's gross thinking that whatever this source is, is using it as a manipulation tactic toward people. Yeah. Without, like, you don't even, you don't, you can't even, like, make a... Uh, uh, guess at why it's happening, why the manipulation is going on. Like, right. what does it matter if I look up to the sky and I see uh, uh, out the form of Jesus, or if I look up to the sky and I see seventy-five UFOs? What what impact does that have on whatever the source is? The only yeah. person that's going to impact is me, and I am inconsequential. Like, there's ten thousand people that that was at Fatima and and they all saw something different. Like what, right. Why did that happen? What is the purpose? And they all fucking physically experienced something different too, because there are reports of people being soaking wet in the rain and people being bone dry. Yeah. Not raining at all. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't even know. Like it, I don't know. It's like a psychological experiment on the human race. Yeah. Seriously. What it feels like. And what it sounds like. And we we have no defense against it. No. No. Because by all accounts, everything is real. You know, the dogman that is out in the woods is just as real as the the fake alien pancakes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, It's fucked up. I don't know. 
I really don't fucking know, man. Like it's it's I don't know. I don't know. I don't either, brother. I just know once I started listening to that on Mythos and started digging into it, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Why are these two things even remotely comparable? It shouldn't be at all. Like I said earlier, they shouldn't. In my brain, the way it works is everything has its own category. And that's the way I like it. How I like it that way. How is a poem from the 1850s about human abducting pancake eating fairies relevant a hundred years later when a UFO lands and these entities start trying to give pancakes to a farmer in Wisconsin. What? Like I said, should not, should not (laughs) add up at all whatsoever. I think that I, I don't know, man, but it 100% does. Yeah. It, it, really makes you it almost forces your hand to reevaluate the entirety of the phenomenon yeah i i agree i agree and i'll I'll, i'm not even like i am i am more and more sold on that idea i still like my categories like i always have yeah i'd almost rather it be like that i'd rather it be okay yeah we got we got weird creatures here we can't account for oh we've got off-planet aliens we can't account for because i feel like like you said, it's easier to compartmentalize those things in their own little sections. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of. That's kind of where I'm at. When it's one singular, powerful source using those as just manipulation tactics to muddy the water of what we think we perceive and believe, like there is a level of nefarity there that is is just off the charts, right? Yeah, yeah. Because logically, if it's if it's strong enough to do that, then who's to say well, if we ever figured it out that they that it just doesn't go? All right, well, the game's over. Yeah, give you the old Thanos snap and just smash the planet and be done. Yeah, because I mean they're they're manipulating our perception of reality. We don't even know what's real. They could be manipulating this right now, and we wouldn't know. I know it's it sucks. And like and like you were saying that Jacques was like, he expressed how we don't even, we we couldn't even, we can't even fathom that if this is one singular entity manipulating everything, we can't even begin to fathom why. No, that's what he said right off the rip. He said, I, he said, I don't have a, like, I don't know why they would do it. Yeah. But there's a very good chance that they are. That sucks. Yeah. That sucks. It does suck. All right. (laughs) Now that our brains are completely toasted. Yeah. I'm curious to see uh, how you feel about this hollow cult. Definitely chime in and let us know. I know there are some followers of uh, Jacques and Kiel out there. Um, Let's let's hear it. Let's hear about it. I'm curious to see where everybody's at. It's... uh, I've been delving into some other weird encounters that tie into different phenomena and old gods and all sorts of weird stuff that it is in the same vein of this things that should not be tied together that are tied together. And oddly enough, Kyle too seems to be looking into something similar as we talked. Yeah. I was kind of, 
just dabbling in uh, another Encounters for Patreon episode. And the first one that I stumbled across that I found ties kind of matches together yeah, that it, shouldn't tie together. Yeah, it really does. And it even, yeah, I didn't even tell you all of it. And it definitely, it's bizarre. <laughs> oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was my uh, pancake story there. So, yeah. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think. Until next time, check us out at all social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Discord, Reddit. Join the Holocult. You know the drill. Until uh, we meet again, stay safe, stay weird. And if some entity from beyond our realm offers you a snack, uh, I'm going to say go for it. Try it. Why not? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.